Welcome back to In the Queue, film conversations with Andrew and Phil. I'm Phil, your co-host, and I think family vacations are a common time for troubles between husband and wife. (laughs) At least that's what my childhood was like. Really? Yeah. Well, your your childhood is not a potentially Oscar-winning film yet. Not yet, apparently. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and I am your co-host, Andrew, and... The last time I went skiing, my entire technique, because I couldn't stop, was just to get going as fast as I could and then fall over oh, on the mountain. Yeah, to stop yourself from yeah, that's reading into a stop. tree. It's been a long time since I've gone skiing, is my point. Too many people have died skiing for me to actually want to give it a shot. I really want to go snowboarding. I want to learn how to snowboard, because yeah. I feel like it makes more sense to my brain than skiing, uh-huh. but... Uh, I just haven't done it. Well, you know what? You should put that on your bucket list. I should. You know? I should. You only live once. That's right. Yeah. Only live once. (laughs) But you can say it twice. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So here we are. We're back. Um, We are going to tell you all about the new film we're reviewing called Force Majeure. Force Majeure. Which is a Swedish film. You may have heard that uh, term before, Force Majeure. I believe that it's actually used... In, re- in regards to the law, quite a bit. It is. Uh, means basically mm-hmm. means an act of God or some kind of yes, some kind of larger circumstances that is unexpected and just affects everything. And that's a very apt analogy for this film. And we'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, first off, we want to tell you where you can find us on the web. You can go to our blog at www.in-the-q. That's the letter Q.com. And there you can find all of our episodes. Uh, You can listen to them. You can download them. And you can also leave comments for films that you would like Andrew and I to review later on in the future. And you can also just kind of a general discussion with people. Just come hang out, talk about stuff, talk about movies. You know, just sort of no big whoop. And then we also have a Facebook page, which is basically just do a search for In the Queue, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. There you will find our shows posted once again, and there's room to discuss, there's room to make requests, and there's also a sort of thing going on where we post videos and, and other sorts of supplemental materials to basically you know, add to the whole in-the-queue experience and to sort of give you some things that, that sort of comment or, or reference a show that we just did. Yeah. And then lastly... You can find us on iTunes. Just do a search for In the Queue, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. You can download all of our episodes that way. It's super convenient. A lot of the kids are on iTunes these days. <laughs> They're crazy, mm. those kids. And Some of the adults, even. Yeah, some senior citizens, too, probably. <laughs> you know, yeah. They love us. They love the sound of Andrew's voice. Mm. So Dulcet tone. So smooth. Oh, yeah. Mm, He's got a lot of fans. A lot of fans. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to talk today about Force Majeure, as we alluded to in the beginning of the show. The the plot of Force Majeure is delightfully simple, but there's a lot of complexity to the goings-on in this film. Yeah. Um, the, the, The story revolves around a married couple, uh, Thomas and Ebba are the mm-hmm. man and wife, and they have their two kids who are 
roughly five to six or seven years old, I guess. I think one of them was five. One of them was eight. I think they mentioned at one point in the so roughly film. between five to eight. Yeah, I guess or or six, six and nine or something. For, for all intents and purposes, they're young. Uh, they're young, mm-hmm. impressionable, and they they seem like they may might not know what's going on. But as we find out in the film, some of them are too keen on what's happening with their parents right now. Oh, yeah. But what happens is the family goes on this skiing vacation in the French Alps, and the the film is basically captioned by saying, you know, day one, day two, et cetera, day three. And then on the first day, it's just kind of like an average day where they're they're you know slaloming down the mountain and they're they're riding in the ski lift and it's all very kind of innocuous. And then on the second day, there's this shot of them all sitting on this like sort of like outdoor porch at some kind of a yeah. lodge. And we should say that here we're going to be talking about the the basic sort of impetus for the plot, but it it is uh, the inciting incident. Mm-hmm. Is is what we're about to talk about, but uh, it does come as a bit of a surprise if you don't know what the film is about. So, a little bit of a spoiler alert here, even though it comes towards the beginning of the film, right? And it is the thing that drives the film. <laughs> what we're about to talk about, if you really, really want to co- go into this film completely fresh, we're about to spoil a little something. If you want to be pure as driven snow when watching this film, yeah. But I would also recommend not listening to the rest of this particular episode <laughs> because. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about this event and how it affects the rest of the movie. So you might say this episode is strictly for people who've seen Force Majeure already, or people who already know what the plot is. When I went into this, I had I already knew kind of what yeah what the the gist of it was, I, and I, as I as well, I also knew what was going to happen before I saw this scene. But uh, but be but be forewarned is all I'm saying. Okay, fair enough. So what happens when they're sitting on this like balcony eating outside with all these other skiers is um, there's this avalanche that happens off in the distance. And this shot, Andrew, like this is what's on the poster for the film. I think yeah. this shot, this whole like scene, because it's just one shot from one angle. Yep. Uh, this is one of the most indelible images of the year in filmmaking. Yeah, I think that it is. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's, it's... Well, I think this movie is kind of full of indelible <laughs> images, but we'll get to that. <laughs> exactly. So what happens is there's there's an avalanche and the snow starts a to... controlled avalanche. We should say that as as they do at ski resorts, they do controlled avalanches. But this one is not as controlled. We will, Indeed. We will quickly see. But the snow is coming down this distant mountain and it's getting closer and closer. And then the little kids are getting scared. And Thomas, the father, is like, no, no, don't worry. It's controlled. It's all controlled. Uh, but Ebba, the wife, is getting nervous. And then the snow gets closer and closer. And then it starts to overtake everybody sitting there. And we see Thomas leap <laughs> out of his chair and hightail it. Away. Grabbing his phone <laughs> and his gloves. Running away from his family and literally climbing over another person. To, to escape from this snow that is that is just overtaking them. While Ebba is shielding the children. Right. And and like I said, this is all one shot. And then the snow settles. All in the same shot. Unbroken shot. No cuts. Brilliant. I love it. The snow settles. And then Thomas comes back. And they're, they're, they're kind of like, oh, you guys okay? Is everything okay? And we saw what happened. And as we see later in the film, Ebba definitely saw what happened. 
And the rest of the movie, Ebba is really, really upset by the fact that Thomas has abandoned them in, in that situation. And the whole film is kind of like the reconciliation for this, this uh, betrayal. As are the children. The children notice what happened yeah. as well. And, and apparently it was all captured on his iPhone as well. Um, yes. so that's used against him <laughs> as a piece of evidence uh, in, the, in the true legal sense of the term. So the, the force majeure is the, the avalanche, I would say, uh, the act yep. of God. Uh, there may be some other sort of possibilities that could be called that, but the, 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 the primary inciting incident, as Andrew said, is the avalanche, and that's what sort of reveals Thomas's true colors. Um, and it should be said also, this movie is a comedy. It is. It's a very dry comedy, though. It is a dramedy. I actually saw this movie in the theater by myself. and You were the only one in the theater? Yes. And this was not oh, wow. just your average run-of-the-mill theater. This was like a private screening room that had about Ooh. 20 seats. And I'll post pictures on our, on our Twitter feed about this because I, I took photos while I was there. It had like this blue neon aesthetic and the screen was like a glorified widescreen TV. It was, it, was, it was a big TV, mind you, but there was nobody else in there. It was all set on a timer when the movie would start, when the DVD or when oh, the wow. server would start playing. And, um, and it, was, it was a very high quality image. But it was, it was, you know, like a lot of, a lot, even theaters these days are digitally, have digital projection. Yeah. This was definitely digital. Um, and then when it was over, I walked out and I thought it was a really cool experience, to be honest with you. But as I have said in the past, watching a comedy by yourself is not really the best way to appreciate the humor in the film. And huh. especially in a film like this where the humor is so dry. Like, I didn't really laugh until maybe midway through the film. Um, and that may also have something to do with this, this kind of dryness that I've seen in, in films from this part of the world. Like, um, sort of like Northern European sense of restraint, where you sort of see, uh -huh. where you... The force majeure is an intellectual feast. I mean, the way the, the, way the movie is shot... Uh, and and the shots are composed and the acting and everything, it leaves you so much to sort of, you know, sort of ruminate on, and not as much to really move you. At least that's how I felt. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, I I felt like there was so much to think about that I wasn't actually that emotionally engaged until until it was almost over, and then I started to really process what I had seen from start to finish. That's interesting. I actually found it to be a very emotionally engaging film, mm -hmm. and I found it to be incredibly intense mm -hmm. uh, emotionally. And I think that that was uh, – there's certainly that, as you say, Northern European restraint in the film. And I think that that uh, – it's as much a, a sort of indicative of the, mm -hmm. the, the culture of filmmaking that it comes from. Right, like movies like uh, Let the Right One In, the original, or, yeah. or like Aki Kurismaki's films from Finland – yeah, almost yeah. like a very d deadpan sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, and and it is, uh, but it's also I, I think it's in service of getting to sort of the deeper core of human nature and and oh, oh yeah, I, I think I think uh, unlike so many American comedies and and comedies from other parts of the world uh, in 
in addition, uh, the the comedy in this is is used as you know part of the palette, right? Mm-hmm. It's part of the 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 tool belt that the that the filmmaker is using, and it's uh, it's not even so much that they want you to be laughing hysterically or right. you know raucously you know falling out of your seat. They just want to use the humor to get to like very human emotions and very human yeah uh, uh, moments. Well, well, uh, and I and I found that this film was absolutely chock full of just a- astonishing the human insight just into into our being into our culture into the the expectations that we have i actually thought that this film was in a large part just sort of a uh sort of dissection of uh gender roles and expectations that we play place on each other yeah and i think in in the modern world the, the choice of word that you use i feel emphasizes my point it is a dissection it's a dissection. <laughs> it's it's it is very kind of, I I feel sort of portentous or intellectual. Um, but but what, where I re- would agree with you is that the uh, the humor in it is all at the sense of advancing the story, and there's there's definitely moments in the film where I thought were really absolutely hilarious, and they, oh, and yeah. they a lot of them having to do with the other married couple that <laughs> Beardo, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, this guy who was. He was well cast because he's got this very large uh, red beard, and he's also got a yeah. very serious kind of expression throughout the whole film. And he he's, there's a really he plays Tormund Giant's Bane on Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, he does. For those familiar with Game of Thrones, oh, wow, yeah. Well, and so like there's this really funny moment where uh, Thomas and Ebba are with this couple, the bearded man and his and then this, his female companion who is significantly younger, actually, which is. I think significant to the story and, and yes. significant to their own dynamic apart from the two main characters. But um, the, his, his friend with the beard, he's trying to sort of stand up for Thomas in a way because Ebba has just kind of humiliated him in front of the, the couple. And so by, by recounting her version of the events that happened during this avalanche. Exactly. And so avalanche. A- avalanche. So, a- avalanche. 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 What should I say? Avalanche. Avalanche. <laughs> I like avalanche. Sorry, that's a it's a, an in joke from the film itself. <laughs> so and so the the friend, I think his name is Harry. That's what he's credited as in IMDb. He goes up to Thomas and he's like, uh, Thomas, um, is it possible that, you know, like you you ran away from the avalanche because you know you your intention was to go back and and dig your family out of the snow you know in case they got buried i mean that was it wasn't it thomas um and for a long time in the film thomas does not really come right out and admit to anything in fact he out and out <laughs> denies right yes and one other thing that i've noticed about definitely about this film and other films. And I don't know if we would necessarily put the films of Ingmar Bergman in the same category, but I feel like Andrew, you, what do you think? Well, I think, I think that this is, this is grown out of that, uh, that tradition. That's, that's sort of what I was referring to earlier. Like uh-huh. it's, it's kind of, this, this is kind of the descendant of the sort of contemplative nature of Bergman and the, and the emphasis on, composition and image to reinforce the themes that you're dealing with and the fact that you're dealing with these sort of very, very deep human, right. you know, 
humanist theme. I mean, you've got yeah. all these shots of of the the characters riding the ski lift with this blank white oblivion behind them. Yeah, just kind of sitting there contemplating. Well, there's a lot of oblivion in this <laughs> film. I mean, like there's sort of like the endless oblivion of the hallways in the right in the hotel. There's the uh, the wonderful sort of conclusion of the film where there's uh, it almost reminded me of Lawrence of Arabia. And, really? Uh, the famous shot where uh, Lawrence comes out of the desert, like materializes on the the horizon in the desert. And like some of the composition in this film is just mind-blowingly it's super, good. Super precise. And what I was going to say was even, even yeah. if these films are a bit you know drier than what American audiences are used to, I always feel like when I watch a film from the from Sweden or, or or Bergman's work in particular, or maybe some other Scandinavian cinema, they always seem to have a very deep, soulful sense of what is right and wrong. Mm, and yeah. they really is, they really pay attention to. While they may be kind of like austere on the surface, and they may not express a lot of emotion, you know, throughout their day, I always feel like they. This type of of cinema very much is rooted in the basic sort of core that people have, and and that is what is what their values are. Well, yeah, yeah. As I was saying, like that kind of humanist filmmaking, yeah. right? That's what what Bergman was was great at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, was having a great sense of empathy. For all of his characters, good or bad. Yeah, and while there may not be, you know, moments where people hug each other and burst into tears, like you may find in some other Western films, there is definitely a sense of like, uh, what's right and wrong. And yeah. um, and there's plenty of tears in this movie. Don't get don't, don't get us wrong. There's definitely there's plenty of emotion. Oh yes, no, 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 there's definitely yeah, there's definitely tears and emotion. But I feel like the the camera. Um, the director's camera does not often move along the, the, the Z axis, if you will. It doesn't really push in on people when they're, when they're emoting. It just kind of is observing. Mm, it, yeah. And when, when Thomas starts to cry, there, there's even kind of, they even kind of pass it off as a joke a little bit because Ebba's like, you're not even crying for, for real. And then he looks <laughs> up at the camera <laughs> and he's not crying. No. And then when he does have his like total meltdown later, it's it's really funny. I mean, they clearly meant it to be yes. funny. Um but let's let's why don't we talk a little bit about the the performances and yes. sort of the, the general sort of state of the of the, the cast, which I think is uniformly excellent. I think that that is the perfect way to describe it. I don't think that there is a even a a passable performance in this. I think they're all extraordinary. I think every performance in this film is unreal. Yeah. Very natural. Incredibly natural. Uh, incredibly moving. Incredibly uh, empathetic. Like these, like these characters are so... It's so understandable why they're, each of them is doing everything that they're doing. Uh-huh. In the film, and and you you know even though it's infuriating, especially in the case of Tomas, to see him behave the way that he behaves, it's still you 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 still understand him. Like you just understand him. him. Yeah, you understand him, and 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 that's where that sort of and, and I know that we're talking about the performances at this point, but that's where the uh, the kind of what I was talking about earlier the 
sort of deconstruction of of like the role of masculinity in society or uh-huh. the role of femininity in society and kind of how we treat people and what the expectations are because essentially the 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 majority of the film is you know he has failed in his role as a man yeah by running away from his family he has failed in a role as his role as a man and so like all of the attendant thoughts and self-hatred that comes along with that is like it, it it serves to propel the rest of the story forward and the fact that these actors especially in the case of Johannes Kunke and Lisa Lovin Kongsley who play Thomas and Ebba respectively mm-hmm. in their cases they take you to so many places emotionally they are they run the gamut <laughs> completely uh-huh. and it's always authentic and it is always understandable every every emotion that they're feeling at any given point in this film you're like yeah okay yeah i get it it's believable maybe maybe this is the dumb thing to be doing especially in tomas's case uh but i get it and 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 that goes for the uh the other married couple as well you know i i think that one thing that's so cleverly constructed about the movie is ebba we we see clearly it's almost like like a security camera we see clearly yeah. what thomas's transgression was there's no doubt in our minds what we saw and yeah. it's almost like when we first see ebba after it we're already thinking okay ebba what do you think about this and when she gradually comes to the realization that she needs to confront thomas about it thomas rather and and he 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 doesn't come out and confirm or deny anything really, other than just to sort of say I saw things differently. Uh, but he never he never provides his own narrative, right? And that's what he, I was, all he says is that's what I was going to get. I saw things. Yeah, I saw things differently. Yeah, saw things yeah. differently. And um, and at you know when they have their their sort of moment of of consolation, Ebba's like, okay, okay, yeah. But you can tell she's not quite convinced no, and she's no. not quite over this situation. And so the next day she brings it up again and then eventually she explodes. And, uh, and then the film really sorts of, starts to get rolling in that sense. Um, but you're right. You're absolutely right in that this film is an exploration about uh, sort of manhood and, and being the protector of your wife and kids. And uh, and that's not what Thomas does. I absolutely loved the climax of this movie, oh, as well as the subsequent conclusion. The denouement. The denouement. Um, the climax. I almost don't even want to talk about it because if there's anybody who who's thinking about seeing Force Majeure yeah. and then this, they thought that this podcast might influence them. I just don't even want to talk about it because it's so it's so funny and beautiful and joyous and appropriate. It's just, uh, it's just perfect. And, but then followed by a denouement that I think muddies the water a little bit. And, oh yeah, totally. (laughs) It is such a, it's such a beautiful climax, but then everything that, (laughs) because of the beauty of the climax and maybe even the almost conventional nature of the climax or, uh, it almost plays with our, our conventional expectations and then proceeds to call them into question with, 
the denouement, like the 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 real end end of the film, is so ambiguous. Ambiguous, you know, it's like it's like the ending of The Graduate or something. You know, you're, <laughs> you're just kind of like, oh man, yeah. What but now? what? But what now? What now? You know. And I think it's so beautifully handled and it's so beautifully done. And that and that climax. I mean, I alluded to it earlier in the kind of just the cinematography alone in that climax, and and what it does to reinforce the the relationship between the characters and the way that they're feeling like the, the way that the cinematography in this film reflects the inner lives of the characters is shocking to me. Like, and maybe it shouldn't be because maybe it's just that it's so rare that uh, this kind of care is taken Uh nowadays uh, in regards to, you know, the mise-en-scene and and putting together the, the, the the elements of, of the, of the frame. Uh Um, but I mean, like some of these, I, I remember there's a shot midway through the film when Tomas is kind of having his crisis and he thinks he's locked out of his hotel room and he goes and he just like hangs out. He's hanging out in front of the hotel and he's framed like in the corner of the frame and there's, you can see the lodge behind him mm-hmm. and there's all this white snow and it's kind of like all this negative space. And then all of these men just come running out of the lodge yeah. and it's, and it comes in this like overwhelming wave and it takes over and it brings you into the, the front of the, you know, it comes over the front of the frame and they, it's like a, it's a wave of humanity that like sweeps Tomas along with it. Uh-huh. And then he goes off with these people and, and essentially raves and parties and drinks and goes insane with them. Uh-huh. And again, this, this sort of wonderful deconstruction of like what what male behavior is and what a man is supposed to do right and, and when, a, when all of that kind when of when a man has let down his woman and his woman is upset with him then then it's when he goes out with other men and, and, and yeah seeks exactly to have and, his own. and communes right you know where he, with uh, where he can't do wrong you know the only way that he could do wrong is if he didn't participate right right but then that's immediately followed by him sort of sort of sheepishly returning to the hotel room and sitting in the hallway yeah. outside of the hotel room when his wife and children are inside the hotel room the entire time. You know, it's like, it, it's a, but, but this is, you know, the, the, the way that it's arranged, the way that it's set up, the way that it's photographed just mimics the inner life of Tomas at that particular point in time and that kind of stuff. And especially in the climax, it, it's just, it's, 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 mind-boggling how uh how careful it is uh-huh. and how how smart how smartly it's done yeah yeah i mean it's i this i have not seen a lot of of the nominated foreign films this year sadly um just neither i live in north carolina and they just don't come here andrew on the other hand has no excuse because he lives in new york city <laughs> And I know I'm going to see Leviathan <laughs> soon. Leave me alone. Yeah, the Leviathan. That's the one that we all need to see. But yeah. Force Majeure, I think, is as good as any film of the year. I would even put this in my top three, to be honest oh, with wow. you. I, I, it was, it was not till it was really sort of concluding or reaching the climax when the totality of the film really hit me, and right. um, and it just gets it gets so bleak. And then it takes you right to the edge of bleakness in its climax, and then it takes you somewhere else. Uh, yeah. And it was it was so apt and and right. And I thought it was going to end right there, as as we've been saying. But then no, he muddies the waters with this this epilogue that is like, what the hell? Like, and it gives you a lot to <laughs> think about. 
You know, it, does. it gives you to think. It, it gives you a lot to think about in regards to Ebba's role as a mother, and it sort of gives you this alternative perspective about you know, well, is Thomas really a villain here, or is there some kind of is there some kind of a standard uh, that we all have to be measured by in terms of caring for our kids and our and our spouse? Well, I think, and I think that that you you kind of hit right there. You kind of hit sort of what the crux of the film is, is, is it, uh, the way that I read it, it was trying to establish a common humanity and sort of dispense with all of this nonsense about r- the role of one gender or the other, or like what their place is and, and that they're, you know, raising a family and, and having children and living your life in that way is really a collaboration. And that's what it sort of needs to be in order to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that it was necessarily, making that statement i think it was more just calling all of this into question well it's a it's a work of art and it all is. good works of art raise questions and they don't give you easy answers uh, yeah. if this film was going to give you easy answers it wouldn't have included the epilogue it would have just ended right after this very kind of triumphant climax uh, though i i think i would have been so much i would i think i would have been tremendously dissatisfied with that if that had been the climax uh-huh. i would have felt Almost that it was it had been like a betrayal, like the ending of the player. Oh, okay. Like, like almost that it was an intentionally sort of conventional ending in order to upend our expectations and make us angry at what was going on. You know, there was definitely an element of convention to it. I I think. I mean, yes, the director, um, by the way, whose name is um, Ruben. Hold on, Ru- Ruben um, Ostlund. Ostlund. Yeah, like he, I think he was definitely playing with the idea of of heroism in this climactic scene, yeah, in a funny way. But he obviously does not want to end the film on a note that some people can interpret as just being funny, and he definitely gives you some things to think about. Um, but Force Majeure, it's in my top three somewhere in there. I thought it was really great. And I actually was thinking about buying it because I feel like it, it would hold up under repeated viewings. Oh, I think so. Yeah, for sure. And this is definitely a film that you can you can go back to and study and and really get a lot out of. Um, mm-hmm. If if for no other reason, just just from a filmmaking perspective, just to understand <laughs> like how to put together a film. Uh, I think it's so expertly crafted, and it's uh, like it's got a very patient pace uh-huh. you know it's a very it's a as you say kind of a northern european kind of feel to it but that doesn't mean that it's devoid of excitement or emotion like the whole thing you're you're just like you're tied up in knots just you know watching everything unfold that's so interesting because while i love this movie i did not experience that that tied up in knots feeling Oh man! I mean, it's just like to me. It maybe had something to do with the fact that the camera is often static, uh, and I'm not saying there's or anything. Or if it's if it's moving, it's like these very slow dollies. It's like it's from The forward. Shining or something. When when some yeah, yeah. tracking shots, you know, like when they're skiing down the slope, and it's like they're it's like Danny's on his tricycle, you know, and yeah, uh, yeah. But 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 still, I found the movie a lot to sort of. I was kind of analyzing it as I was watching it, interestingly. And, and maybe if there were more people in the little screening room I was in, there might have been kind of a communal, more of an emotional timbre to the room. But, yeah. but either maybe. way, I think, I think 
we're in agreement in the sense that it's a great film. It's 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 extraordinary. Yeah. And there's there's one more thing that I would like to bring oh, up. Oh, sure. This is just one shot that, or series of shots that truly astonished me. Uh-huh. There is a moment when Ebba, on the day after the avalanche, decides that she wants to go off on her own, ski on her own, spend the day skiing by herself. Uh-huh. Tomas takes the kids, and she is skiing on her own and feels the call of nature decides that she needs to go to the bathroom mm-hmm. and does, pops a squat yeah. <laughs> on the side of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is this astonishing shot where she sees Tomas and the children sort of come by and stop for a moment. Uh, you know, he, she sees them through the trees and they come by and they stop and she's going to the bathroom this whole time we can assume. And she's watching them. She's watching them. And then they, ski out of frame and it just holds that frame. It holds the shot for another, I don't know, probably 10 seconds or more. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes, cuts back to her, she just has tears streaming down her face. And to me, it was just like an emotional gut punch mm-hmm. to see that. Like it was just, it was so, it was such a brilliant manipulation. <laughs> <laughs> like I just, I, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, and I, I think that that, those kinds of moments in this film are abundant and just masterful. And, and I was clearly a lot more emotionally involved in the film than you were, but, uh, but as you say, it's also a very rich film to be able to just unpack and, uh-huh. and, and pick apart, you know? Well, a sequence like Andrew's talking about, I feel like you can go either way with it. You can sort of interpret it from like a, an intellectual, like, you know, series of of shots like a like a montage where you know you have a shot of kids you know plus shot of crying you know mother equals you know emotion or equals like mother grieving while watching her kids it's almost like like the kuleshov effect or something like right, that right right very kuleshov <laughs> moment um but and that's but there is also that kind of a sense of restraint i feel like it's such a simple thing what Andrew just described. It's such a simple economical way to basically communicate, and I feel like I've seen that a lot in Scandinavian cinema. And I don't know if I'm imagining this or if there's actually something to it, but um, I'm a fan, and I really liked. I feel like that whole like wintry landscape is something that may have colored the character of of the Finnish and the Swedish and the Norwegian. Mm-hmm. Maybe the snow has really affected sort of the, the, the cultural character of, of, of all those nations. Indeed. Anyway, Indeed. so... So I think we both recommend this film very highly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think it is one of the best films of the year, unquestionably. Um, and, and for a time, I thought it was the frontrunner for the Oscar this year. I'm certain it will be nominated, but mm-hmm. Leviathan just won the Golden Globe last night. Yeah. And uh, it very well may have the momentum at this point. Uh, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I recommend going to see it. I recommend checking it out. It's very very intense. It's very very interesting. And uh, yeah, it's who was it who said last night that uh, was it George Clooney at the Golden Globes who said that if you're in this room, you've got the brass ring. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like all the people who are nominated are 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 stars and winners in their own right. Yeah, man. Agreed. Agreed. So thank you for listening to this podcast. Please join us on our next podcast when we'll be talking about another new release, 
Inherent Vice. Indeed. The new Paul Thomas Anderson film with Joaquin Phoenix and a whole bunch of people. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty star-studded cast. Yeah, the best. Uh, so uh, we'll be talking about that next time around. And thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time. <laughs>